Before we get started, Dead and Married would like to thank those very close to our Dead Black Hearts, our patrons. Thank you to William Rush, Karima Rhodes, my best friend and fellow Tom Atkins lover, Gary Horton, Carissa. Jonathan says thank you. Dr. Sexy himself, Kent Morton. Oh yeah. Kate Lamp, Travis's cowgirl, Lala Thomas. Hey girl. And last but certainly not least, our friends over at the Podmortem Podcast. You can also check out their very own show every Monday on all major platforms. And now, on with the show. Warning. The following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm Travis. And I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) And this week we're going to talk about the 1988 remake, The Blob. Is it a remake? I mean, it kind of is a remake, but they changed a lot of stuff. Yes. I believe the original came out in 1958, and this is considered part of the... I don't don't know if it has an official title, but uh, like the trilogy of perfect remakes, I guess, of the 80s, which are... The Thing and The Fly and this one. I mean, despite how anybody feels about remakes, this is widely considered one of the better remakes out there. Yeah, it's pretty good. So this one stars Shawnee Smith as Meg Penny, uh, Kevin Dillon as Brian Flagg, Donovan Leach Jr. plays Paul Taylor, Jeffrey DeMunn is Sheriff Herb Geller, and that's, this is probably the youngest I've seen him. Yeah, yeah, for Um, sure. You may know this guy from The Walking Dead. He plays... Dale Horvath. Dale, yeah. Yeah. And he just gives Dale face through every episode. Right. Uh, you get pretty much, you get Dale face here too. It's kind of <laughs> weird seeing him. Um, Paul McCrane is in this. He plays Deputy Bill Briggs. Now that's important because he has the worst deaths anywhere on camera. He yeah, always, was, he dies horribly in everything he's in. Yeah, I was going to say, we just talked about him here recently again in RoboCop. But where he was the melting man. Yes. Um, another one of note, I guess, for the horror people out there, Bill Mosley is in this for like 10 seconds he plays (laughs) soldier number two (laughs) and he's in it for a whole minute yeah what's strange about that is that this was kind of off the heels of tcm part two because he uh everybody can't talk for everybody in the know he played chop top so that was kind of a i guess you could call it leading role so for him to go from that to soldier number two feels a little weird right Right. And this this movie was directed by Chuck Russell. He did such classics as The Scorpion King, The Mask, Eraser. <laughs> oh my god. But he also did Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Yes. Dream Warriors. What an odd mix. <laughs> I just don't understand how you do this one, which is good. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which is not... I, I'm not a huge Nightmare fan. Oh my god. But I know that you are. And I think Dream Warriors is pretty widely accepted as one of the better ones. It's considered the best one. But then you also did the scorpion king in the mask (laughs) i well there's nothing wrong with the mask for starters a lot of people love the mask i'm just saying they're different qualities but well in terms of what was done with the mask at the time i think that uh there's you're just being mean you're just being being spicy (laughs) no but uh the scorpion king now that's uh that's uh you don't talk no do no 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 (laughs) do not get to talk smack about the rock oh yes i do no you don't yes i do (laughs) Don't rock the boat. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm just saying that you've got different calibers of movie there. For uh-huh. him to have two that are pretty widely accepted as being really good. And then those two. Andy Racer, which no one talks about. So I, it's been forever since I've even seen I that. I was going to say, I got to say that as, much, as big of an Arnold fan as I am, I've never seen Eraser. It's not one of his best. Okay. I mean, if you've got a chance to watch Eraser, watch something else. (laughs) (laughs) Watch Jingle All the Way or Commando or Predator or... Jingle All the Way made it into that list of movies you were listening to? It's better than Eraser. Oh my God. (laughs) It really is. It's not a great movie. <laughs> anyway, um, so this movie actually is rated pretty pretty well. Um, this is 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb, so we're better than 50%, 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, that one kind of surprised me. Mm-hmm. I mean, for this to be one of the ones that's considered like a, what did you say, the perfect remakes? Yeah. Or definitely a high quality remake? Mm-hmm. 6.3 or 63% seems low. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. If you're talking about the three of those movies, obviously it's the... It's number three. Yes. <laughs> it's not the best one of the three, but is in terms of, like I said, remakes, going out, taking the source material and improving upon it and doing its own thing, it it is widely considered to be one of the better remakes. Yeah, yeah, they still did a good job because there's a lot of bad remakes out there. Yeah, especially the ones we got in the aughts. Yes, yes. Um, that's kind of about it for specs. I mean, it's got an hour and a half runtime. Feels a little bit longer than that. I mean, it I realize that ninety minutes ninety minutes is pretty normal, but it kind of drags a little bit. It does in places, and I'll I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But still, as far as I'm concerned, this is a great fucking movie. Yeah. So the story, and there's several synopsises out there for this film and I don't feel like any of them really capture it completely. Um, the one I read online is it's just bad. It's just inaccurate. But <laughs> So what we believe to be uh, a meteor crashes to Earth. Uh, it's got a crack in it. This homeless can collector guy uh, pokes it with a stick because that's what you do. <laughs> and it latches onto him and he brings it into town, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, through a series of unfortunate events. I just worked. No, that's not Jim Carrey. That's the other guy. Anyway, I just got it in there. What? The movie, Series of Unfortunate Events. Oh, I was like... <laughs> that was Jim Carrey, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. yes. All yes. right, so we talked about the mask, and we talked about that, so Jim Carrey. <laughs> um... But he gets into town where it kind of gets, it gets loose and it kills a bunch of people and the military shows up and you find out that it's actually a weapon that they had put into space to study the effects of space on viruses or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it crashed back to earth. It's another, they, they want to weaponize it because in the nineties or in the eighties, mostly the eighties, um, all the government wanted to do was weaponize something, hide it from us, the people and defeat communism. Right. That's all they wanted to do. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of post cold war stuff. There was a lot of stuff <laughs> like they really every movie i think every action movie was all about fuck the communists and i'm glad we got over that <laughs> it's kind of a one note thing so before we move on i do i do want to point out right quick that this film was requested to us by robin hi <laughs> Hi. <laughs> uh, thank you for requesting this film. I was so fucking excited whenever uh, she asked. I was like, fuck yeah, the blob. I love the blob. Um, she is my sister, my little sister. And this was a film that we both grew up with. So uh, if you're a, you're a patron, that's obviously one of the perks of, of being a patron is getting a film request. But we are open to requests from anybody. So if you like this film and have other suggestions, please feel free to message either one of us. Okay, now moving on. <laughs> 
<laughs> did you get that all out? I did. You feel better? Yes, I got that on film. All right. So that's the story. But as far as the story goes, um, from an execution standpoint, I feel like it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's just okay. Um, I don't really care for the whole, it's a military thing and we were going to try to weaponize this and it's just jacked up flu virus or whatever. I don't know. I don't like it. I was I was better with it when it was just like an alien thing that crashed You're Earth. Supposed to it, save when it was just thoughts for after class. Well, I mean, we're talking about the story now. <laughs> but I was better, I think, with it when it was just meteor shit. <laughs> you know? What is yeah. that? The Ballad of Geordie, whatever. The Lonely Death of Geordie Barrel. Yeah, that. That too. <laughs> I don't know names. You know this. I was like, please don't do that. Please don't. <laughs> Don't say wrong things. (laughs) I don't know names. But yeah, I mean, I was good with that one. It was just a thing from space that came down and turned him into an eggplant. And um, I was good with this being a thing that came down from space and dissolved people. And then they were like, no, we totally created this. I think the problem with that is, is how would it exactly have differentiated itself from the original at that point? I don't know. Shawnee Smith? Uh, I I don't know. See, that was one of the things I liked about it was that they didn't want to do a car been copy. I mean, we've got enough of those type of remakes out there. Hello, Rob Zombie. Um, let's do something different and make it our own. And that's what I appreciate about a good remake. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I, I do. I just, like, as soon as the guys in the hazmat suits pop up and they're like, no, it's ours. I'm like, of course it is. Of course it's yours. Why wouldn't it be yours? Wait, you want us to capture it and make it a weapon? Of course you do. <laughs> Because it's the 80s, and that's just what you do in these movies. He's being a contrarian this evening. Maybe a little bit. (laughs) I just feel like in the grand scheme of things, you're saying they wanted to separate themselves from the original and do something original, do something different. That's not original. I mean, for God's sake, the guys in the same suit showed up and wanted to weaponize (laughs) E.T. Don't know that they wanted to weaponize. Of course they did. (laughs) It was the 80s. They wanted to weaponize everything. Ouch. I'm just saying that they just, they, they just copied the same thing that was happening in all the other movies at the time. Agree to disagree. Okay. At any rate, uh, the story wasn't wasn't terrible. Like it was it was an acceptable story, even though I do have an issue with how they kind of wrap things up. Um, and we can credit Theodore Simonson uh, for the early screenplay, uh, Kay Lineker for the, an earlier screenplay. Screenplay. I can't use my fucking words today. <laughs> and Irvine H. Milgate uh, for the actual story. So it didn't do a bad job. It, no. it's not bad. It's what you expect from the time period that this movie came out, right? Well, and plus you had the writing team that was. Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont, for fuck's sake, who, I mean, yes, you have pointed out that Chuck Russell did move on to not do quite so great fanfare. But Frank Darabont, as any Stephen King fan well knows, would go on to do things such as The Green Mile, The Shawshank Redemption, The Mist, and be credited with bringing The Walking Dead to the screen for everyone. He did. Um, Did you mention The Mist just now? I did. Yeah. I hate that ending. (laughs) I mean, it's a great ending, but I hate that ending. (laughs) But anyway, so story, story solid. Now, do you remember the first time you saw this film? Not specifically. Um, I do remember that this was one that we had on. VHS as a kid and my sister and I probably my brothers too but I remember just wearing this movie the fuck out um I have all kinds of nostalgia for watching it I have have it pretty much memorized so much so to the point where you were like I need to watch it a couple more times I was like I don't <laughs> I was like I can pretty much nap through this movie and still remember everything that happens in it so you go on ahead <laughs> right 
I don't remember the first time I saw this film. I don't. I, is this another one that was just me? Yeah, it's just you. Was this your first time watching it? You popped my cherry for <laughs> Blob. I don't I don't know that it was my first time to ever see part of it, but I think it's my first time to ever see it all the way through. Okay. Because I think everybody has seen the part where um, uh, Paul is it's got the, the blob like all over him and his face is pushing through and he's kind of like the, uh, what Freddy was that, where they were trying to like push out of his stomach? Uh, yeah. Dream Master. Yeah, where it looks kind of like that, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's on his face. I think everybody's seen that. I would say that it's probably the iconic image yeah. from the movie. But that's really all I knew about this movie before we watched it, so... Okay. Um, yeah, really no, there's no memories or nostalgia attached to it for me. Okay, gotcha. See, Aiden and I were having this conversation earlier. He said that in his opinion, he felt like, yeah, solid practical effects, but that it was a film, he thought it was just mediocre. And I said, well, I think a lot of that has to do with if you didn't grow up with it, that's that's probably an easy thing to say. But for those of us who did grow up with it and saw some of these grisly images for the first time, it sticks with you and therefore you have a lot of love for it because of that i would agree with that um i think the flashback or flashback glasses help a lot yes um like I, I, you know, remember when, right? Like right. we watched The Mask the other day, and it's it's okay, you know. We're not bagging on Jim Carrey or anything in this episode. Yeah, I was gonna That's say, what have you deal. got against Jim Carrey? I'm just saying that it was a lot. It it's still kind of funny to me because I watched it when I was a kid. Right. I remember it being funny then, so it's funny now, right? Mm-hmm. But I can watch it now and go, it's really not that funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's not as good as I remember it being. Mm-hmm. I think, and I don't. If I had not ever seen it, I probably wouldn't think it was funny at all. So wow. there's that sentiment attached to it from way back um, that helps me still kind of enjoy some movies mm-hmm. where, you know, if I had only seen them as an adult, I would just pass. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I get it. It's like, you're very sad today. I'm not, I'm not sad. I'm just saying <laughs> that that the, the nostalgia factor plays a big part in some films. Yeah. like uh, Because some films just don't have the staying power. Yeah. Like, if I'm thinking about it, I think it is those death scenes that stuck with me where I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that because I can remember specifically the scene where the bum runs up to um, Flag and starts to chop at his arm. And I remember that oh my gosh that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid like I very very vividly remembered that um but the other deaths I would say definitely that's what stuck with me to the point where I'm like oh yeah fuck yeah the blob you know right yeah I get it I I do but you know there's movies out there like well we're talking about Frank Darabont right Mm -hmm. Shawshank Redemption whether you watched it when it came out or you watch it 10 years from now it's still going to be a good movie right right it 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 can survive through the years and and be the same quality right regardless of when you see it in life you're going to watch it and go that was good Mm -hmm. not all movies can do that right so but for this being kind of your first time to watch it you actually thought it was pretty good it is pretty good um and We'll, we'll probably talk about that later. I, I will say, though, that I sort of agree with Aiden. Um, the effects in this film are, are pretty... That's kind of the star of the show, mm-hmm. was the effects in the film. The, I don't... I'll have to look and see who the, the effects crew Tony was. Tony Gardner. did a fantastic job. <laughs> yeah. um, and they did some shit in this film that I probably have not seen anywhere else. Right. Um, they did. They did great. But... 
you, you've got the, you know, if you say the effects are at a 10 in this film, like, I feel like everything else kind of only comes in at like a seven and a half or an eight. You know what I mean? Like the rest of the the movie doesn't quite live up to what the effects department gave. Their maximum effort was better than everyone else's maximum effort. Yeah. Okay. So. I don't know. Like, as far as the story goes, I appreciate that they kept that small town feeling, you know, because it gives that sense of isolation that there's no one that can help them. They're in this together. Them just this one lone small town against this entity I appreciated that and then I appreciated again the fact that they did a twist with the story but these are normal everyday people this is kind of like a Norman Rockwell type town you know where everybody in town goes to watch the football game and then gathers at the diner after the fact and everyone knows everyone um it's I don't know it, it was just that small town Americana thing that I thought that they captured beautifully and then taking taking what you're expecting kind of a la Hitchcock and subverting it where you think that one character is going to be our main character and that's the character of Paul thinking oh yeah he's going to be that Steve McQueen type he's the all-american football hero and he seems to be a good kid he seems to be the hero type and then take him away in the first 20 minutes that I just thought that that was brilliant too because you're not expecting that at all and then you have the reluctant hero in Brian Flagg that you do not expect you know I just I didn't have a problem with that story at all and then you also have the good girl next door cheerleader type who ends up being kind of a badass at the end of the day and pretty much I want to say almost single-handedly saves the town yeah I mean I'll agree with you there story-wise they did have there's I'm not I don't know. I don't want to come across that I'm saying that the story was bad. It did have some solid points. Um, I agree that when they kill off Paul's character pretty early on in the movie... I mean, you're what, 20 minutes in when he dies? Um, I was surprised. Mm -hmm. I really thought that it would be, you have a trio at the end, right? The three musketeers. You'd have uh, him, Shawnee Smith, and the bad boy on the motorcycle, right? Mm -hmm. That it'd be the three of them that make it all the way to the end. And then he dies. I mean, quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was unexpected. Uh, and then you're left with a uh, flag, which yeah. is interesting. I don't know if there was a Steve, I don't know if Stephen King was involved in this. I find it interesting that they spelled his name with two Gs. Mm -hmm. um, and Randall Flag from the stands according to Darabont that had nothing to do I'm just with saying anything. It's a coincidence. And but listen, if you're gonna rip off somebody, there's worse people you could pick than right. Stephen King. Yeah, exactly. At but least you know it's gonna be high quality shit when you rip it off. But I think that's one of the things that makes this film great is that they straight didn't give a fuck because not only do they kill the main character, but they also kill a fucking child. Yeah, they killed like an eight year old kid in the sewer. No like less. no one is immune in this film. So it gives that sense that the stakes are a little bit higher. And they didn't kill the kid off screen. Like, it's an in-your-face kill. Yeah. Um. So I, I do appreciate it. Like I said, it's not terrible. It's just, I feel like the effects outshine the rest of the film. Okay. Um, and uh, kind of back to the acting part, I like it that Shawnee Smith was not just a damsel in distress yes. through the entire film. Like, she was pretty she was pretty tough. Yeah. Um, and she kind of hold her own. They spend a few minutes, nobody believes her with what's happening. I love that they don't harp on that for so long, like, like something like child's play where you have to go the majority of the movie with nobody believes me, nobody believes me. So I appreciated that we got to move on from that really quickly. Well, and the kids don't, the kids in this film don't spend a ton of time trying to convince the adults about what's going on. No, they're, you they, know, they kind of throw action. it, they kind of throw it out there and the adults are like, sure it is. And they're like, well, fuck you. We're going to go handle it. Yeah, pretty much. And they just move on.
move on. Yeah. And then it, it's so strange. It almost becomes like this Red Dawn situation at the same time. Yeah, except it wasn't the North Koreans this time. Right. <laughs> but um, no, I, I love that she was a take charge character in she. I mean, yes, Brian helped save the day too. But at the same time, she kind of helps get him out of a couple of jams. So I yeah. loved that she was very capable. And I know that horror is not her favorite genre, but I would say between this, The Stand, and of course Saw, Shawnee Smith is, she. I would put her up there in Scream Queen status at this That's point. That's she's good. She's mm-hmm. a good actress. And she was really young in this movie. Yeah. Um, but she, I think she did a good job. Yeah. No, I read, uh, it was, I think it was on IMDb, she will not watch the horror movies that she's in because they scare her. Right, yeah. And part of the reason she even got considered for the part of Amanda and Saw was because James Wan and Lee Winnell loved the blob so much and had a crush on her in it that she was immediately considered for the part of Amanda, which yeah. I think is great. She did a great job in that film too. Yes. She was believable in yeah. Saw. I don't know if we'll ever cover those, but. Yeah, I I love that everything that I have seen her in this far, she seems to really commit to her characters. Especially in The Stand, the original oh, yeah. TV series. <laughs> like she pulled off crazy. crazy. Very well, yeah. Completely. Yeah. I, believed, I believed that she was really insane. Yeah. And uh, as far as Kevin Dillon goes, I'm not entirely versed with his work. Uh, I've seen very little that he's done. Um, I know that there are a lot of people out there that are fans of Entourage. I've never watched it. Um, the only other thing that I have watched him in, I believe, is an episode of Tales from the Crypt, <laughs> which I'm sure we will get to at some point. But I thought he was fine in this film, too. Um, I wouldn't say he stands out to me as much as she does. I, I feel like she stole the show um, as far as main characters go. But he, he did fine as, you know, um, as the person who's kind of had a rough go at life. And because of that, uh, the town doesn't want anything to do with him. He's kind of a pariah. But he stands up and saves the day anyway. I thought I thought he did fine. He did he did okay. He was the again he, he just he was the stereotype mm-hmm. sort of the uh, rebel without a cause yeah type of type of character. Mm-hmm. I don't really know a lot of stuff that he's done. So just looking at it, he was in a movie called Poseidon that I've never seen. Obviously, he was in the Blob. He was in the Doors, which I saw the Doors, but it was so long ago that I couldn't tell you anything about it. Now I will say this: he was in Platoon, and I have seen Platoon. It's a good, that's a good movie. Um, and at the end of this film, when Shawnee Smith is standing on top of the snow tank or whatever, shooting the gun at the blob saying, come on, is that the best you've got or something? That's the line that he said in Platoon. <laughs> so I think it's funny that they, that they did it like that. Right. But yeah, I'm not, he was, he was fine. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> shitty to say that he was fine, but I'm just, I just don't know that much about him. Um, it looks like a lot of the stuff that he did is not movies that I've seen or right. TV that I've seen. Mm-hmm. So. And I just want to point out a cardinal sin here because when we're looking up the cast right on imdb bill mosley who is in the film for a minute maybe <laughs> is credited as top cast but you leave out the man the myth the legend that is jack nance who was probably in the film just as much <laughs> maybe a tiny bit less is not credited in the main cast at all and i think that is so fucking sad and i know so many of you out there are going, who the fuck is Jack Nance, Ashley? We have no other idea who that is. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you are a David Lynch fan in any capacity, you know who Jack Nance is. He has been a frequent collaborator with David Lynch up until his death. Uh, 
Um, he's he's our main character in fucking Eraserhead, the iconic man in the picture. He, Wrapped in plastic. Yes. He's that guy. <laughs> yes. Twin Peaks, Lost Highway. He's, yeah. He's, like, it was so funny because I had grown up watching this movie never knowing who that was. It's just the doctor that comes in and goes, this the hand injury? <laughs> you know? And then, you know, watching it again here recently, I was like, holy fuck, that's Jack Nance. How did I never notice that? You know, he didn't immediately jump out to me either. And I think it's because this is the straightest role I've ever seen him play. Right. Because he's always some kind of like offbeat, sort of weird character. Yes. And in this one, he's just a doctor uh-huh. and he's, he reacts and then moves on. Right. But he plays a pretty normal person and I'm just not used to seeing him do that. Right. <laughs> so it throws me off. Like now that you pointed it out, you're like, holy shit, it's the guy. And I'm like, oh God, it's the guy. Yeah. But initially I'm like, that's yeah, just some extra they cast as a doctor. Yeah. And now you see him and you think, <laughs> fish took a lock into my percolator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Like now that after you pointed out who that was, I'm like, damn. They should have given him more. Yeah. He should have been in the movie a little bit more. Yeah. How do you not cast... Like, this is exactly his kind of movie. Yeah. How do you not cast somebody like that? Like, I just feel like he was completely underutilized. Absolutely. So, anyway, just wanted to point that out. (laughs) So, everybody, I I feel like they kind of get their time to shine a little bit before the shit really hits the fan. I think that you get a good amount of time kind of setting up these characters and what they're about. Um, there's like this little kind of sort of love story that happens between the sheriff and a waitress at, at the local diner. That's a really adorable thing that gets set up. So this is a thing that I think that he did brilliantly is that he didn't make characters that, well, I know Travis is going to disagree with me, but I don't feel like he made characters necessarily that you didn't straight give a shit about. He gave everybody enough to do or you knew about them that when it comes time to the, for their death you're like oh man that sucks and the sheriff and the waitress are two of those and I was like oh because you were kind of hoping since they had set up that they were maybe going to have a little date maybe they were going to be two that kind of made it to the end with each other or um the two boys you know you thought you would get to stick with them a little bit longer since it was setting them up as having their their sleepover with doing bad bad stuff and you know so by the time you do get around to their death yeah, it kind of sucks a little bit. So no, I I agree with you there. I feel like this was this is sort of a maybe a typical example of '80s movies where your good guys were good guys mm-hmm. and the bad guys were the bad guys. Mm-hmm. There was no ambiguity to the characters, and so all the townspeople that you meet, you know, Sheriff Herb and uh, Fran, played by Candy Clark in the diner, and yeah, their little date. Um, they, he didn't they didn't go out and make any of these people just straight up unlikable. Right, even the bratty boys um we're just being boys they're just being you know and they're not just being little shits they're like yeah we're gonna go see a horror movie yeah you know and it sounded like they were gonna go see friday the 13th yeah, <laughs> basically uh, and telling the mom about it but yeah the kid didn't even lie about it he no. was like this is what we're gonna do and that's the thing is that <laughs> he didn't try to lie about it yeah so i mean even though he was kind of being a little shit he was an honest little shit right and they just didn't they didn't give them flaws like even brian uh, even his character, you know, he may have been sort of the the rebel and the 
I guess the black sheep of the town, right? Mm-hmm. Even he wasn't completely unlikable. He just wanted to ride his motorcycle. Well, they they point out the fact that his mother's an alcoholic and kind of leaves him on his own to kind of fend for himself. And there's a line later in the movie where... Um, Meg tells him something about taking care of him and he says nobody else volunteered for the job where you, you get a little bit it, it's subtle it is but he's still not a bad guy because like when they show him doing stuff they don't show him like breaking into people's houses and stealing shit right they don't show him doing bad stuff when right. you see him alone he's just riding his motorcycle yeah or he's working on his motorcycle it would have been really easy in that beginning scene where it shows him wiping out on his bike and the bum kind of laughing and clapping at him for him to you know been the tough guy and go beat on him or whatever but instead he just kind of laughs at him and smiles he just shakes his head and gets up and there's a subtle thing they do in one shot and i don't know if it was meant to be noticed or not but at one point he's walking down the street talking to meg and because his jeans are ripped up he ends up taking some like masking or electrical tape and and taping his pants up and i don't know why that i found that sad a little bit because for one i didn't expect somebody like him to give a shit your pants are ripped. I mean, don't guys <laughs> wear their pants ripped up. But I just thought it was a little sad that he was taping up his pants because they do point out that he's probably poor and, yeah. you know. But then you also have people that are set up and their character goes completely different way than you expected it to go. And that would be the uh, priest where he's he's at the beginning and he's kind of weird. He's already kind of weird at the beginning where he's going up to, oh, I can't remember the friend's name. He's uh, Paul's friend the condom guy <laughs> yeah and he yeah. goes up to him and he's all telling him scott like, scott yeah he's t- yeah scott jesky that's right and he's telling him good game and everything talking about his hay fever acting up but he's clearly involved with the town and knows everybody and you know why haven't i seen you in church and but he's not a bad guy either but then it takes him getting set on fire and it seems like he almost cracks so so that was played by Del Close, and you said he was in the original re- the original sequel to the original yes, Blob. Yes, yes. Um, his story arc reminded me so much of the priest in Nightbreed. Huh, interesting. Right, because he was he liked to wear women's lingerie, right? <laughs> but I don't know if this guy did, but the one in Nightbreed did. Right. He, he goes to Midian, he gets injured, and then he's nuts. Yeah. Right? He was weird, then yeah. he gets set on fire, and when you see him at the end of the movie, you're like, that's a little freak yeah yeah something about that was really strange he ended up turning to like i guess a religious fanatic right but i don't remember which one came first i'm thinking this came first so i'm wondering if somebody had seen this movie and was like i don't know (laughs) i can't we're gonna do something speculate on that but um but at the at the same time, I do think it's good that you the people who are the bad guys, you don't go without them getting their comeuppets in some form or fashion. Well, and that comes back to Scott. He's yes. the only character that is just outright fucking evil. Yeah, he's just an asshole. I would say he he did more offensive shit than the fucking blob did. <laughs> more than the soldiers did. Right. I mean, he was he was rapey. Yeah. But it's an eighties movies movie, so instant karma. Yes, I I 
loved that he automatically got punished for what he did, where it's usually the other way around in these types of films. Right. So I enjoyed that part of it. Um, that was one scene that was another one that stuck out in my mind is, oh my God, I remember that scaring the crap out of me. Was, um, he's going to cop a feel of his date's uh, breast. While she's passed out while drunk. While she's passed out drunk. Um, and then you just see, I don't know, the blob takes on so many forms and shapes and it's like jellyfish tentacles yes so he had gotten her drunk and decided she needed more to drink because she wasn't quite ready to proceed yes and i guess the blob got in the car with her while he was mixing the drinks with Which, his I gotta battery say, powered electric blender <laughs> that he kept in his trunk i gotta say i want to try one of those cherry coolers not necessarily <laughs> to get drunk but he pops open his date rapey uh trunk the rape trunk <laughs> and i'm looking at all these ingredients going ooh hawaiian punch strawberries like okay i want one of these now yeah <laughs> he made it look very appetizing right <laughs> but but yeah then when he gets back in and she's clearly unconscious and he's like well it's hot let me just unbutton your shirt a little bit yeah as soon as he goes to stick his hand in there it's like jellyfish tentacles yes come out yeah and wrap around his arm and you see her face just like smushing in <laughs> right so i mean it's sad that she got it but yes it's a horror movie and it's in keeping with if you do something bad you will die right she was drinking uh-huh. underage and he was rapey they both died right so i mean it still holds true to mm-hmm. the i guess the tropes or the formula that they had back then right and then of course meadows getting absolutely what he deserved too uh i will say that i don't think his death was as grisly as he deserved because all it is is uh, um, <laughs> I want to, I want to think of, uh, what's his name? Orlando. Evolution. Evo- it's in my suit. It's in my, Ira, there's something in my suit. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought of. And it comes up, Bob comes up in his suit and you just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I don't feel like it's the death he deserved. The one that, uh, oh, RoboCop guy got, I thought was <laughs> pretty yes. fucking grisly. His was not, his was, this was the, between the two, this was much faster for Yes. Him. It's, it's, um, I will say it's less grisly than what he got in RoboCop. Is. At least it was quick. But it's still a terrible way to <laughs> but go. God damn. They folded my man in half backwards. They did. Jesus. They, he's a human taco. <laughs> yeah. It was fucking gnarly. And the thing is, is he wasn't necessarily a bad guy. He was just, he obviously wanted to protect and serve. And Flag was seen as, a, I don't know what you call him, disturber was, of the peace. He was the he outcast. Was just, yeah. So he he was he, trying to do the right thing. He wasn't outright being an antagonist. No, he was just an asshole. Yeah. But um, yeah, that, that death was, woo. <laughs> it was pretty bad. But uh, yeah, I, I did appreciate that story wise you i always like uh like for instance talking going back to um friday the 13th part four the final chapter where you can take a group of people that you actually like and even if they don't do a whole lot you semi care about them just based off of the few minutes you get with them you're like these are a likable group of kids i don't necessarily want to see them die i I appreciated in this story that they kind of did the same thing 
Right. And you just, you had an ordinary group of people placed with extraordinary circumstances. So, that, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with the story at all. So I guess moving on from the story, and, and we've been talking a lot about the actors and actresses that are in this film. I felt good about the acting. I did too. Quality. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I, I felt pretty good about it. I mean, obviously there wasn't any earth-shattering performances, but there also wasn't any bad performances either. I felt like everybody did did the best that they could with the material and they in some of them shined a little bit yeah i feel like all i'm gonna say all all of the actors and actresses in this film the performances they gave were sort of above the baseline that you would expect for an 80s horror movie Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because like in even in your friday the 13th films you've always got at least one that's going oh no there he is he's (laughs) coming right for me i can't believe you committed suicide i can't i did not hit her oh hi mark i did not You've always got one, and there wasn't one in this. Right. Um, but yeah, there's no Oscar winners here. Mm-hmm. But they all did good. Yeah, I think so. Nothing nothing disappointing about that at all. So, let's move on to the thing that we want to talk about. Yes. Special effects. Yes. <laughs> they did shit in this movie that I haven't seen since. Absolutely agree. I think um, if you were to remake this film again, which they were talking about for a while, I think everything would be fucking CG. Yeah, I would say, honestly. please, please don't remake this movie, because they'll they'll do it wrong. They will. They'll, they'll absolutely absolutely make it a CG film and while yes there are some composite shots in this film that are very obviously composite shots or green screen it wasn't anything that I felt like was completely egregious especially considering the time that it came out correct and I just don't think they would put forth the effort to duplicate it no I I don't think so either I I love the fucking practical effects in this film so the practical effects in this film were not easy um, because from what I read on it they used like some kind of fabric and then they covered it in like gelatin and stuff and in some shots they actually put a person under there and that shit was heavy yes yeah it, it um, was like puppeteered right for a lot of stuff right um, but they had uh, I think they spent like nine million dollars out of their 19 million dollar budget on the effects yeah and it, it really really fucking shows and that's and that's why I kind of go back to what I'm saying I, I feel like the effects were sort of the star of this movie mm-hmm. Um. Because you've got kills like, well, like when Paul dies, that, that iconic shot. It's actually in on VHS. It's on the box cover. Yeah. Of it pulling over his face. Yeah. And that kill is just nasty. And that actor, Donovan Leach, was actually the person used for it. Under there. Yeah. Um. From what I understand, he got a bunch of goop up in his nose and his throat and everything. But I thought it was so effective that they chose to use the actor instead of a stunt performer or, you know, did a, used a dummy or something like that i thought that made it so effective and you include the sound design in that and it's just unbelievable right but immediately preceding that um you've got the death of the can collector guy yeah and you don't really i mean you don't really see it uh he goes and gets the doctor and they pull the sheet back and his body is just melted i mean that's a hellraiser level body melt that's a bad night after taco bells that that is is way too many gorditas yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was that was nasty and then again Um, sound design i i can't say good enough things about it well it was sizzling when they pulled it back it was sizzle noises well they they had for the blob they had the idea of an inside out stomach Mm -hmm. so you know it's just acid everywhere right although there's one scene where it shows it dripping acid and i don't i think you only see that in one shot Mm -hmm. Um, every other shot it it makes physical contact with someone before it before it kills them it's just not like dripping a trail everywhere right um the scene where in the diner the guy like puts his hand in the sink, I guess to clear the drain mm-hmm. or something, and it sucks him down the pipe. 
that was pretty impressive. Yeah, and how they accomplished that was they had, I guess the stunt performer, did a handstand into the sink and then jumped out backwards and they filmed it in reverse. So that was very effective. It was. And I think that one of the things that works about the fact that the blob is acidic is people are going, well, how the fuck would a guy fit down a drain like that? But if you're talking about something that's that corrosive, his body would break down and make its way through the pipe. So right. I thought that scene was, was very, very cool. Right. Um, other than a couple of the composite shots and they did use some miniatures and you, well, I, they had to when the blob got to a certain size. Right. Um, because it just, there's, I don't know that there'd be any way that you would do that mm-hmm. practically, but um, I'm thinking about the scene in the car with uh, Scott mm-hmm. when the girlfriend sort of collapses in on herself. Mm-hmm. That one's a little, eh. I don't know how she'd do it though. It's still good. I still like it's it. It's still pretty fucking nasty. Now, I know I just said that you don't really get to see the blob drip acid anywhere, but they you get a POV shot leading up to that mm-hmm. of the blob moving through the grass and it, you get a brief, just a, a short, long shot sort of where it backs up and you can see that the grass is smoking. Well, there's another scene in the sewer where it wraps its tentacles around Meg's hair and you can hear it burning and sizzling right. her hair off and that's the way that she breaks free is that her hair dissolves. Right. So that to me is, is scary that this thing will just, that's got to be the one of the worst ways to die right. I would think. And speaking of that scene when it grabs the kid and pulls him in the water. Oh yeah. And then he pops back up for just a second and he's basically melting like the guy in RoboCop <laughs> Yeah, I was did. thinking the same thing. But he's like, help me. Yeah. Like, they gave zero fucks. They're like, we're killing this eight-year-old kid in this movie. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. We're going to melt the shit out of him. Yeah, but everything looks so great. If you're if you're talking about back in the day, which I would, I would still go on record to say even the original blob looks really great with what they were doing, which was they used silicone and food coloring, I believe, for that because silicone had kind of just came out around that time. That looked really great. I had always wondered what the fuck they made that out of and then for this time for them to use it as a food thickening agent is really cool too right um and i like cellulose it's made out of sawdust i think it's the shit they put in milkshakes as a thickener yeah i just i don't know i I, i'm completely amazed with how because it looks like so many things you know like it it's squid like at certain points it looks like it reminds me of the underside of a tongue at some points because it's all veiny too so it's I don't know it just yeah and I like it that they it cha- it starts off more or less clear with a very slight pink. Uh, pink tinge to it. Right. But the more people it eats, the darker it gets. And yes. that's supposed to be the blood. Yes. Right? From the people. Yeah. And I like it that they, I don't know, I like it that they did that. <laughs> I think it's neat. Yeah. You get to see a physical change in this thing yeah. as the movie goes on. Not other than just it got bigger. Right. Because it would have been easy for them to say, well, it just gets bigger. Well, it's been crawling around on the ground and in the dirt and over stuff and melting things and absorbing and all this shit it wouldn't be the same color uh-huh. from beginning to end um and i like it that they thought about that and said no we're gonna we're gonna change it as it goes yeah i i just it's it's really cool like i said the the little things where you're like oh you can kind of tell that something was done to achieve this it in no way takes away from it for me right well i mean movies now you you watch it and it's the same thing it's like oh well i guess they couldn't figure that out so it's cg now right and and i will always say that i i think that there's a charm in practical effects that you just don't get any 
anymore. I, I love when somebody comes back and is like, I want to do everything fucking practically like the way that they used to. You know, when you have guys like Adam Green come and do something like Hatchet where it's like, we're going to go back to old school method and we're going to do everything practically. It's just, I have such a level of appreciation for people that want to do that instead of the old tried and true method, like the fucking thing remake, you know, while we're talking remakes or, well, I guess it was a prequel in that case, but where they had practical effects set up and were going to be really great and they were like, ah, no, let's turn around and do it all CG and it completely ruined that, that film. But they had already shot those with the practical effects. Yeah. So they overlaid it with CG. Yeah, which is so Why? fucking shitty. Yeah. Like if you've already got the shot, unless it just looked really bad, leave it alone. And you have the talent and not to mention the man hours of people creating this stuff, it, you know. So I, I've, I've got to hand it to the team on this for as much work as they put into it to make it what it what it is. We give them an A plus. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm not entirely sure of the entire makeup effects team. I know that Tony Gardner is the one credited and I mostly know Tony Gardner. I believe he's a protege of a bigger makeup effects artist, but I cannot remember which one it is. Um, but I mostly know his work that he did on Child's Play um, after, I guess after um, Kevin Yeager kind of dropped out of that series. Tony Gardner would go on to do some really fucking amazing effects in, in that series. Yeah, well he didn't do anything half-assed in this film. No, no, He used absolutely. his whole ass every <laughs> time. <laughs> so while we're on this subject, uh, you want to, what's your favorite kill? Ooh. That's that's tough. It's either going to be Paul at the hospital or the kid in the sewer. Yeah. I'm going to go with Paul. I'm going to go with Paul's too. Yeah, because that just is the, that's the the shot. Yeah. When you think about the blob, that's what you think about. To me, that's the one that sets the tone for the rest of the movie. When that's what you get in your first 20 minutes of the film, you're like, holy fuck, you know, and then it just keeps going and keeps going and it's fucking relentless. Um, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go on record and say that that's my favorite. Something else that, that always stuck out to me as a kid was the phone booth scene where the waitress is trying to call the cops to we'll try and call herb to for help and they're saying that he's not he's not there they don't know where he is and then all of a sudden the blob who has encased the entire phone booth that she's in you see herb's body just kind of floating through it and his eyes are all fucked up and his teeth and everything and you're just like ah god almighty that's rough it looks bad and then it just shatters the phone booth sweeping her up in it it's yeah wow what a terrible way to go yeah (laughs) Any of any of the ways that the people die in this film are pretty fucking terrible. I'm trying to think of all of them. Uh goodness. I feel like that would be like dying to the was it the thing in Star Wars that dissolves you over Sarlacc pit? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think we talked about that in Frozen. It's like a mobile Sarlacc pit. You're just being slowly digested. Yeah, it's fucking awful, but it, it's it's so fucking great and amazing. And if you're just the thing is that I find pretty pretty crazy is that is as gnarly as these deaths are, there's very little to no blood in this movie at all. Like you have a little bit of blood from the old man hacking his arm and the aftermath of his stomach, but apart from that, you really don't get a lot of blood in this movie. Not a not a bunch. Um, Paul's death. She pulls his 
arm off. Mm-hmm. You get a little bit of blood there. Um, the girl. Oh, and the arm's twitching. Yeah, Ooh. it's its hands are moving. Her fingers are still moving. Um, you don't really get to see Scott die, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's a little bit of gore when the girlfriend implodes. What's well, I'm I saying? Guess. There's gore, but there's not a lot of blood. But yeah, there's it, not you buckets don't, and buckets you of bloodness. You don't get much blood, really. Yeah, which I think is pretty crazy. It's 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 almost a bloodless movie. It's it's gore, but without blood, and that's such a weird. It's just a lot less than you would expect. Yeah. So, score. Did it it have one? (laughs) Yes, it did. Um, I was watching, uh, we watched a movie recently, covered this film, and I remember Mike saying that he hated the score, that it was too, it overpowered the film. I strongly disagree with that. Um, I feel like the tame score makes it feel, it has a sci-fi feel to it. Um, With the synth elements and all that, it it feels very sci-fi. And when you get into your action scenes, it feels very fast paced and frantic that it makes you tense up. I'm thinking in particular the scene where Brian has to go through this tunnel with his bike and he ends up going on the side of the tunnel. That music is very, very frantic and it makes you feel like, ah, oh, is he going to make it? Is he going to make it? You know? So I thought the score is pretty good. Um, And then you have a very badass song that I don't think gets enough love in the credits, the end credits. <laughs> I don't think I even, I don't think I paid attention to it yeah it's very 80s hair metal kind of dream warriors-esque type heat song. of the moment no gotcha <laughs> no. okay asia i think it's called brave new love but it's it's a pretty cool song i actually dig it a lot okay. aiden was like that song's pretty good and i was like i know right <laughs> I have to see if that's available for download. <laughs> okay. So what did you love and what did you hate about the blob? Love, love, love. We just talked about it. Love, love, love those practical effects. Love so much. Those those death scenes. I, I think, uh, I know this is going to be my third time or our third time to use the word, but I think that some of those deaths are fucking iconic in, in the horror realm. For the record, I have not used that word you yet. You did use it once. Not in this recording. Oh, yes, you did. I don't think so. Yes, you did. You called Paul's death iconic because it was on the box. Oh, I will play it back for you, but you did use it because I, I had a little giggle in my head as soon I don't as know. you did. I think you're wrong. No, no. <laughs> So was there anything you didn't like about this film? Um, I will say that to kind of piggyback off of your complaint, that I think that the moment the government shows up, I think that's where it tends to lag for me a little bit. Because you're going through this death after death after death, and then the military shows up, and then all of a sudden we have all the exposition that's going on, and um, it kind of feels like it gets to a standstill for a little bit until the action picks back up. So I will say that yes, despite it only being an hour and a half runtime, it does feel a little bit longer. And I think it's simply because of that pacing issue for me. Yeah, I agree. It slows down a lot right there. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so for me, love. I'm going to go with the effects. I really like the effects. Mm-hmm. I like the, I, I, I still like the story. Uh, you don't, we don't really get movies like this anymore. No. I don't no. think. Uh, and I kind of put this in the same category is what aliens where it's more of a sci-fi horror it's like not a, a creature straight, feature yeah, it's not a straight horror movie yeah um, and i like sci-fi so it kind of speaks to me a little bit my <laughs> nerdiness uh i really wish that there were more films like this out there yes of this quality i'm sure there's plenty of films like this out there they're just not that quality right every creature um, feature they put out now they're they're degrade that's because they're, they're awful they always cg the creature right always well and they're they're dumb it's it's like all the ones that you 
you can find on Tubi TV that's like sand sharks or, you know. Sharknado. Well, not necessarily Sharknado. That one has has a cult following. Well, I know it does. But, it shouldn't, but it does. Right. But you know what I mean? There's, there's, there are a dime a dozen for every horrible creature feature they are. that's out there to stream on free services. And I feel like they took this one seriously. They took a silly concept in the 1958 version. It is a silly horror film. But they took this one and almost gave it the Zack Snyder treatment where they're like, we're going to make this a little bit darker, a little bit grittier, and we're going to take anything silly or humorous out and make a balls-to-the-wall horror film. Right. And I think they absolutely succeeded. Well, and to kind of go back to a movie that we reviewed in the past, Critters. Mm-hmm. Similar formula to this one. You've got a thing from space. It comes down, starts killing people. You've got some kids. you got some teenagers. And, you know, they're going to face it. Now, it. They're not exactly the same. But Critters, they didn't really take it that seriously. Like, right. there was a lot of comedy in that. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated it in this one that they just didn't do that. No. They, really, there's not comedy in this. No, there's really not. And they actually, this film, while probably by today's standards, would not be considered a scary film. It absolutely did scare me as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like... Uh, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Not scary now, but when it came out, it scared the hell out of people. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think that. I'm going to go with effects on Loved. Hated. Eh. I'm, I'm, I'm agree with you there on the pacing because mm-hmm. um, there are some points there and I really there there it's before the military shows up there's just a couple of points where it kind of slows down a little bit but yeah once they show up and they start doing their shit it really starts to drag a little in bit places yeah. because I feel like they just like we've got this whole movie and now we got we've got 15 minutes left to explain why this thing is and where it is and what it is and so they kind of crammed it all in right there at the end well it just feels like it's a little up and down because you have the slow start to set up everybody and that's fine you know you're introducing the characters and all that and then all of a sudden everything's like ah it's all fucked everything is fucked up and then it slows back down again and you're like ah and then it picks back up again and you know well that's the i guess that's my point is that in the beginning you get a character introduction and then you get your action stuff and then it's like they got to the end they're like we never told anybody where this thing came from or what it is so we got to throw that in there now and by the time you get to that point in the movie i don't care what it is or where it came from like it's killed some people. Let's let's get to the end where they defeat it, right? Let's right. win. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of exposition with the, the doctor and the military, not the Jack Nance doctor, but... Mm-hmm. Meadows. Uh, Meadows, yeah. Yeah. And I just didn't care. Like, it came too late in the game for that to, to be relevant, I think, anymore. Hmm. And, I, and of course, I didn't really like their explanation for it anyway, but... Well, I did, I did appreciate, like I said, that they did want to do something different. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I, I can, I can get behind that. It just, to me, it, it made the movie halt to a screeching stop for a little bit. Yeah. Well, I just feel like if they if they had brought the military in or had someone, some shot, some something somewhere. Kind of like E.T. where, where the guys kinda are kind of in. following around for most right. of the movie. Yeah. Right. Where you get one pop in and go, message, and then Like they're, they're spectating to see exactly right. what it's up to. But kind of give us an idea of what this thing is and what their plan is instead of trying to cram it all in in one, in one go. Mm-hmm. You know, that when you get to the end, you already kind of know what's what to expect and what's going on, but you don't have to have a break in the action to get that explanation. Right, 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 right. So I feel like that would have been better. Um, and I, I, we haven't talked about it yet. I would like to talk about the ending for just a minute. What did you think about its defeat and the ending of the film? <sighs> 
I'm fine with it, I think. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's probably okay. So the defeat to me made sense. If it crashed to Earth in fire, it makes sense that fire would only continue to power it. It, it doesn't, because in space it would have, like, when, if it was... If the earth was between it and the sun, it would have frozen to death up there. Okay. Does that make sense? I guess so, yeah. But I also like the end where you find out, because you do see kind of three quarters through the way that the priest collects a small sample of the blob in its frozen state. And it looks, it's so pretty. It looks like amethyst. I know it's just colored rock salt, but it looks like amethyst, which is my birthstone. And so I uh, thought that was really cool. But I like the aftermath where he's given this sermon uh, to a group of people in a tent which I had wondered at first I was like why is he in a tent given <laughs> and then I thought oh well the church might have been destroyed during all of this. It destroyed so. a lot. Yeah. So, okay, fine. Um, And he's giving a sermon on the rapture, which is already creepy enough by itself. If you, sorry to who I offend, if you buy into that whole thing, that's heavy subject matter and can freak you out all by itself. But a lady from the congregation follows him into a back room and asks him, when, when is the rapture going to happen? And he pulls out this little mason jar with the blob now back at its original form and he's saying soon the Lord will give me a sign and I think it's so fucking creepy yeah. add to that the fact that he was burned and so half of his face is fucked up he's got one eyeball that's completely white it, it's creepy and so I actually really dug that ending um, they never intended for there to be a sequel they just wanted that kind of hook thing you know to end it on a high note um, and Frank Darabont has gone on record saying I never intended that was not <laughs> right. that was not not me trying to set up a sequel. I'm going to have to put it on my tombstone. I was not trying to set up a sequel. <laughs> right. <coughs> yeah, but that's that's okay. Um, there's we've gone on about this several times. Sometimes you don't have to have a sequel. Sometimes it's, that is better. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of leave a cliffhanger, and if it's a good film and you don't ever make another one, I'm I can live with it. I'm right. okay. Mm -hmm. uh, this this one's kind of in that category. I'm fine with it because I feel like if they had gone and done another one, they probably would have got it wrong. Because it would have been a few years later, they would have been like, "Ooh, new things called computers. Let's do something with that," and it would have been bad. Well, um, and it, I don't know that it could do anything different. I don't know that there's an idea out there of what you could make it do any different besides just devour through a town. Right now, so to kind of step back just a second and explain how he got those samples. Uh, Meg and Brian were hiding in a freezer at the diner. Right. And it reached under the door mm -hmm. and froze and broke or whatever. And he came in behind. They were still frozen and collected them. And then they thawed back out. And that's why at the end of the film, I don't know if it's why, but at the end of the film, after the snow truck explodes mm -hmm. and it's basically a giant pile of amethyst. Yes, yeah. that's correct. Um, the guy says, you know, let's get this what, get, get it to the ice truck house. or something like that and get it to the ice house mm -hmm. before the sun comes up. Right. So uh, I don't know how he knew that it would thaw out and return to its normal state, but I guess he did. I, get, I think they all did. Knew that. How whatever, would they have known that though? Whatever is frozen will thaw eventually. Yeah, but it might not be alive. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is not Encino Man rules here. <laughs> you freeze them, they thaw out, and they jump up and run around. That's not. I don't know. Uh, I guess. I guess okay. I guess it's an okay ending. Okay. 
I don't know. I don't know what I would have done differently. Exactly. So because mm. I mean, honestly, if you blow it up, you're just splattering that shit everywhere. Now you got a whole bunch of them to deal with. Right. So it's as good as any. Yeah. So final thoughts. Like if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's a good. It's a good movie. It's good. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> I I absolutely say that if uh, you're a fan of kind of the old school creature feature, they don't make films like this anymore. Absolutely check it out. Um, I can't remember where it's streaming right now. I wanted, I really thought it was on Tubi. I could be wrong about that. I own it. So, um, I, I, yeah, but, uh, let's, uh, let's get on with Mary, fuck or kill. I just fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be with it for the rest of my life, but (laughs) maybe a booty call. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to give it the same rating. I'm, I'm also going to fuck it because it's not one that I keep in rotation all the time. But when I do decide to give it a call, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this is pretty good. So it's it's not it's not unicorn status for me. It's not a, not a Mary, but it is. It, I I do definitely uh, like it a lot. So anyway, so next week we are going to be doing another request, and this time we are going to be covering They Live. So back on uh, John Carpenter, as if we haven't done enough of that already. But now we just need to do Prince of Darkness <laughs> at some point. We'll but, just uh... cover them all. <laughs> but yeah, next week we're going to be covering They live and i'm super super fucking excited about that i mean we named an entire show on our patreon after that film it's another one that i think doesn't get the love or respect that it deserves and rowdy roddy piper does not get the love and respect that he for deserves. sure for sure but uh thank you again to robin for this request i had a lot of fun revisiting it and covering it and i think travis enjoyed himself getting yeah. to watch it too um and as always if you have a request please let us know yeah reach out to us on social media and drops a line what did you think about the episode what are you thinking about the show feel free to also leave us a review as we are in need of those right now (laughs) but until then take care guys bye what would you do to save the life of a teenage boy if you subscribe to our patreon for just three to ten dollars a month you can get aiden out of the industrial size hamster wheel we use to power our show For that, you'll get access to bonus content and allow me to remove Aiden's handcuffs. He doesn't run worth shit with them on anyway. Also be sure to show your support on our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter as TravisL80 and SpookyMom83. Thank you for your consideration.